The History Channel original podcast. Sports history this week. March 26, 1979. I'm Kalen Jones. Michigan State University basketball star Magic Johnson stands inside the echoey tunnel of a 15,000-seat arena in Salt Lake City, Utah. In white uniforms with green trim, he and his teammates are waiting for Indiana State University to finish warming up. ISU, a small, unheralded school compared to the national powerhouse that is Michigan State. But Magic happens to know exactly who their star forward is. That's because just one year ago, he'd played with them on an all-star team of college players. Their time together on the court had been brief, but electric. They had a really great connection. They were teammates. They had fun. Magic Johnson would fondly describe the chemistry that he shared with Larry Bird during an HBO documentary called Magic and Bird, A Courtship of Rivals. I go behind my bag, no look to him. He no look back to me. And I'm laying it up. I'm saying, oh, man. But now fate has squared them off in college basketball's marquee event, the NCAA Tournament Championship Game. Their showdown is the talk of American sports, and with the Final Four crown on the line, is widely expected to pull huge ratings on TV. Indiana State, wearing powder blue, finishes its warm-up, and now Larry Bird is leaving the court. Magic sees Bird coming. And is thinking, my man, my man, my teammate. Hey, man, come on over here. I'll give you a hug. You know, a quick embrace between former teammates before they step out to compete for a title. But when Bird sees Johnson... He just looks right through him. Larry Bird just blows past Magic Johnson. This rivalry was more than a media-driven narrative. Bird and Magic themselves considered each other rivals, as Bird later recounted in the HBO documentary. I didn't want any, you know, like I call it love fest, hugging and and, and slapping high fives with opponent. You're there for a reason. You're there to win a game. Magic reads the meaning in Bird's snub. That just said it's on now. Of course, we know now that this game is the start of a rivalry that will spill over into the NBA and dominate it for a decade. That Magic Johnson and Larry Bird will become superstars and competitively obsess over each other throughout their long Hall of Fame careers. That the ups and downs of their relationship will be as much of the story as what they do on the court. But first, a championship game must be played. Today, two of the greatest basketball players ever, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, play the biggest game of their lives so far. Who wins this legendary matchup? And with their own distinct paths to stardom, how do Magic and Bird come together to reshape the game? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Irvin Johnson Jr. grew up in Lansing, Michigan, the state capital. It's a bustling but tight-knit industrial community 90 minutes from Detroit. As a teenager, he's already tall for his age, with a short afro and a thousand-watt smile. He and his six siblings live with their parents in a three-bedroom house. On Sundays, he and his dad sit together and watch the NBA on TV. After the game, Irvin Sr. falls asleep, while young Irvin Jr. rushes outside to practice some of those moves he's just seen the pros pull off. By junior high, he's the talk of the town, scoring 30 in a game. (laughs) 300 miles south of Lansing lies the small town of French Lick, Indiana. It's the home of the acne pock teenager with a bowl cut named Larry Bird. French Lick's in the middle of nowhere. It's cornfields and this one bar that they all used to go to called Jubal's. I walked in there, and and you could have heard a pin drop. This is Jackie McMullen. I wrote a bunch of books, including one called When the Game Was Ours, which was all about the wonderful rivalry of Irvin Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Like Johnson, Larry Bird looks up to his dad, a veteran of the Korean War who drinks too much and struggles to support his family. Bird himself is as withdrawn as Johnson is outgoing. Their personalities couldn't have been any more different. Larry was quiet, an introvert for sure. Here's Doug Merlino, author of a book touching on Johnson and Bird's rivalry. He took a failing grade in the class because the teacher wanted him to like read a report out loud in front of the class and he wouldn't he wouldn't do it. But soon, Bird found an outlet. Basketball. He was good right away, and like the typical story, kind of found a lot of self-esteem in that. As a kid in the 60s, all Bird cares about is beating his brothers in sports. They're older, bigger, stronger, and that pushes him. He also plays in neighborhood pickup games. Bird will always remember being 13 and dominating in one of those games. He calls it, the day I fell in love with basketball. I think for both of them, that was really where the germination of that competitiveness started in their own backyards. Competitiveness nurtured by talent. Johnson wants to play for his largely black local high school, but a national desegregation policy sends him by bus to the nearly all-white high school, where he's not welcomed by the white players, most of them seniors on the basketball team. In his first year, his white teammates refused to pass him the ball. When one of his black teammates objects, the player tells him his job is to rebound, not shoot. Johnson decides to take the issue up with the team's coach, George Fox. Not only does Fox back him up, he makes Johnson the team's point guard. In other words, the on-court facilitator and leader of the team. It's a cold Friday night in Lansing, Michigan. More than 3,000 fans are pushing their way into the bleachers to watch a clash of two rival basketball teams, Irvin Johnson's Everett High School versus Jackson Parkside. Irvin Big E Johnson 
may just be a sophomore, but the 6'5", 15-year-old already has a basketball identity. He can score easily and beat anyone for a rebound. In the first quarter, he leads his team to a 24-7 lead. A teammate says, he throws great passes at the right time. I've never seen a player of his size able to do so many things. His final stat line is 36 points, 18 rebounds, and 16 assists. After the game, a sports writer for the Lansing Journal approaches Johnson. And said, hey, I think you, you know, you need a nickname. I'm going to call you Magic. Is that okay? And he was like, yeah, sure. He said at the time, it was like, whatever. But once the name kind of got out there, it stuck. And all of a sudden, he was Magic. Most point guards you would think of as being very fast, six foot, six foot one. But Magic had always been a ball handler. He loved it. Obviously, just an amazing passer. And was very fortunate that his high school basketball coach at Everett was not so into tradition that he saw that Magic could be a great point guard and let him, didn't try to move him to forward or center. By his senior year in 1977, Johnson leads Everett High School to their first state championship. He's named an All-American and soon commits to playing basketball for the Michigan State University Spartans. In Indiana, far from the limelight, Larry Bird is working on his own game. In the process, he goes from enjoying basketball to becoming obsessed with it, trains constantly and mostly alone, sometimes in the rain. His identity as a player emerges in his junior year. He's a dominant shooter from the inside, outside, off balance. It doesn't matter. Like Johnson, he puts up eye-popping stats. By his senior year in 1974, Bird earns a national reputation. He averages 30 points and 20 rebounds that season, cementing himself as the all-time leading scorer in Springs Valley history. In his senior year, Bird gets something too, a chip on his shoulder. While he keeps getting his high school team close to a championship, unlike Magic, he never can win it. His seasons repeatedly end in disappointing losses. Still, he's a highly sought-after recruit and expects to land at a premier program like Kentucky. He really was hoping that maybe Kentucky would have some interest in him. And Joe B. Hall very famously made the comment that Bird was too slow to pay Division I basketball. He ends up at a top D1 school anyway, at Indiana University, but drops out just a few weeks later. It's overwhelming for him, culturally, financially. Supposedly he'd taken a bowling class and there was a fee for like 60 bucks and he went to the basketball office and said, I need 60 bucks. And they said, well, we're not giving it to you. And he just didn't have $60. So he left and um, hitchhiked back to French Lick. Yeah, it was right back where he started. Bird mows lawns, paints benches, drives a garbage truck. It's a turning point in his career. You kind of had to wonder, like, is this it? It's over before it even starts. (laughs) 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's 1974, and Larry Bird is back home in French Lick, out of college and not playing basketball. Luckily, an assistant coach at a nearby school convinces Bird to give college basketball another shot. After a brief detour, he becomes an Indiana State University sycamore. Which is probably where Larry belonged all along anyway. It was more comfortable for him. Even though, as sports journalist Jackie McMullen suggests, Indiana State does not have a good basketball team, going 13-12 and 12 before Bird joins them. They're just another team, Indiana State. They were just another team. And, and then all of a sudden, Bird comes into his own. It went from uh, losing to winning right away. In his first year, Bird helps the Sycamores to a 25-3 and record. In his second, to the National Invitational Tournament quarterfinals. In a game against Rutgers, Indiana State is leading 56-55 with the chance to reach the semifinals of a major tournament. With just 17 seconds left, all they have to do to win, keep possession of the ball. Yet somehow, Rutgers steals an inbound pass and scores to win the game. Once again, another season ends in disappointment for Larry Bird. Even so, He finishes the year averaging 30 points. Bird has grabbed the attention of the country. This player just took everybody by storm. And I think the fact that he didn't talk a lot and that he didn't share a lot of himself made him that more mysterious and that more interesting to people. As a freshman at Michigan State, Magic Johnson recalls reading about Bird and being blown away by his stats. It's not like now where you can turn on any college basketball game you want. They had never seen each other play. Johnson's impressed, but not intimidated. After all, he finishes his freshman year with more assists and rebounds. He's been improving his game too, working on free throws, decision-making, and pinpoint passing. Irvin was still one of the most amazing passers I've ever seen. Like Bird, in Magic's freshman year, the 1977-78 season, he turns the fortunes of a basketball program around, leading Michigan State to a 25-5 record and nearly making it to the Final Four of the NCAA tournament. For the ever-competitive Magic, though, it's not enough. He's paying attention to his competition in Larry Bird. As he'll say years later, he wanted to know if Larry Bird could do it on the big stage. 
if the white player could hold his own against the black players. With Larry Bird, race is always a part of the equation, whether he wants it to be or not. After all, basketball is a predominantly black sport. Howard Bryant is a senior writer with ESPN and the Boston native. He explains how the sport has changed over the years. In the 1920s, it was a Jewish game. In the 1930s and 40s, it was a country game. And by the 1960s and 70s, it's a black game. And so this is the one sport where when you're white and you walk on the court, you're a minority. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird have been circling each other since high school. Now, they're the two best college basketball players in the country. But only one can be number one. That competition is amplified when Bird hits the cover of Sports Illustrated in 77. Wearing his blue Indiana State jersey, the college sophomore Bird smiles with his hands on his hips next to the words, College Basketball's Secret Weapon. In April of 1978, the two stars finally have a chance to meet. A team of college kids is put together for a made-for-TV event called the World Invitational Tournament. One day in 1978, the squad gets on the team bus. These two men have so much in common, and yet their differences are immediately put on display. Larry would get on the bus, nod good morning, and sit and look out the window and not talk to anybody. Irvin's coming on with a boombox. They're all like, are you for real right now? Soon, they have a chance to actually play together. Johnson is overwhelmed by how good Bird is. Bird has a similar take on Magic. He told his brother Mark, I've just seen the best basketball player I've ever seen. It's the final game of the World Invitational Tournament, and Team USA is facing their Cold War rivals, the Soviet Union. Johnson and Bird check into the game and immediately turn heads. Doug Merlino. It's Bird with the ball, and he goes behind his back to Magic. Magic's in the key. Magic no looks it to Bird, and Bird no looks it back to Magic. And so Magic lays it in. It wasn't so much just that they were passing the ball. It was just a spectacular way that they passed the ball and the emphasis they put on sharing the ball. And they were super young then, but, you know, you can see, like, they already had the whole style was already developed at that point. Team USA beats the Soviets 107 to 82. I think they both walked away saying, wow, that guy's special. Just a year later, Indiana State and Michigan State are ready for the tip-off of the 1979 National Championship game. Bird has led a team with few expectations through an unimaginable season. They were uh, shockingly undefeated. And Bird has transformed into a, quote, legitimate phenomenon. And yet, many had doubted the Sycamore's ability to advance deep into the tournament, much less reach the Final Four because their conference isn't as competitive as, say, the Big Ten, where Magic and Michigan State compete. Their games weren't on TV, so people didn't... There's no way to see them, so people didn't really know how good they might be. Bird isn't worried about the doubters. This is his last chance at the college title. The Boston Celtics had already drafted him in 1978, but instead of jumping to the NBA, Bird returned to Indiana State, determined to lead his school to glory. Meanwhile, 
Magic is still a sophomore at Michigan State, and he's hungry for a championship. Hungry to be the undisputed top player in the game. Everybody wanted to see them play each other. It just was a match made in heaven. Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson. The Cinderella story versus the Final Four favorite. Now on TV for a national audience. There's also the racial component. The black superstar going up against the white one. Before the big NCAA championship, race adds even more fuel to the fire. Here's Howard Bryan again. When you have a country in 1979 that was really obsessed with white control, especially in the NBA. You've got the Midwest white game, which believes it's the founding roots of the game. And then you have the higher stylized black game, the city game, which we also believe is the roots of the game. Even if the two players, even if Magic and Larry weren't necessarily cognizant of it. And so you take all of those ingredients and you put them together and they are embodied by these two superstars. The fans have poured into Salt Lake City in record numbers and they are infected with basketball fever. Salt Lake City's special event center is packed to the rafters. Perhaps we've never seen a final game with two greater individual players than Larry Bird, the player of the year from Indiana State, and the magic man from East Lansing, Urban Johnson. The game is highly intense from the start. On his very first shot attempt, Magic leaps over multiple defenders and looks to score off the glass. Oh, oh, he oh, and he has fouled! He pumps his arm in celebration. Bird gets his shot a few minutes later, scoring a long jumper, putting Indiana State up by one. Then lays one in, quickly earning six points. Magic uses his reach to make room from the defenders and scores a basket himself. The game is evenly matched until Michigan State's defense begins slowing Bird down. Well, they really are boxing in Larry Bird right now. He's got two men on him. Michigan State leads as they make a long pass down court, but Bird leaps between two Spartan players. Oh, Bird! Great play by Bird! And he saves it! Moments later, Bird jumps into the air once again, smacking down Magic's mid-range attempt. Bird's defense is good, but the offense is struggling. He starts missing. Michigan State increases its lead, 30 to 19. Then, Bird misses several free throws. It's not been a good night for Bird. Well, his poorest nights of the year. He was kind of forcing shots. Here's Len DeLuca, a former executive for CBS and ESPN. They were making errors early, and Michigan State had the game in control. But you still watch the second half going, can they come back? In the second half, Larry Bird is still looking to take over the game, and he's gaining some momentum. After a turnover by Magic, Bird takes a jumper and makes it. Bird is doing everything, or trying to anyway. Defense, rebounding, shooting. On the other side, Magic is doing the same. There were these two very team-oriented, passing-minded players who were going to just revive the game in a way that it was just fascinating. 
But then, the Spartans make a run. Magic hits a jump shot. A few plays later, he slams down a dunk. The game is getting away from Bird, who looks frustrated, even angry. After he shoots a long shot, he rushes over to Magic for the inbound and... Larry Bird slapped the ball away from Magic Johnson while he was out of bounds. It's automatic technical foul. As the final seconds stick away, Michigan State is comfortably ahead. 79. Michigan State and Magic Johnson have won, 75-64. Everyone wants to be number one, but only one can make it. Larry Bird, a great star, congratulates the victor. Urban Johnson leads his Michigan State team to the first ever national basketball championship for the Spartans of Michigan State. Magic celebrates smiling as he follows tournament tradition of climbing a ladder to cut down the nets. Bird puts his face in a towel and cries. Bird says, when you win 33 in a row, I expect to win. We didn't win. Toughest loss I ever took. One journalist calls this game the starting point of a great American novel, the origin story of marvelous proportions. But Larry and Magic's title matchup had ramifications for the sport at its most visible level. The game itself earned a record television rating unlikely to ever be surpassed. 20 million people tuned in. DeLuca. That means, for those of you playing along at home, one in four people in the entire country that had a television watched this game. That's unbelievable. The 79 title game shows networks just how popular college basketball could be, eventually pushing the NCAA tournament into prominence, the way we recognize March Madness today. I think it is the most important game for college basketball media. The game is also a flashpoint for a rivalry that will last through the next 10 years and impact the NBA for decades beyond, as Magic goes to the Los Angeles Lakers and Bird, the Boston Celtics. In a made-for-Hollywood script, one of them's playing for the Lakers and the other one's playing for the Celtics. Are, are you kidding me? So they were the shot in the arm that the NBA desperately needed. Because the NBA is on the brink. And as Howard Bryan explains, the issue was mostly race. The NBA is in huge trouble. It wasn't a lack of talent. It wasn't a lack of excitement. It wasn't a lack of stars. It was the country and the culture deciding that the game was too black, deciding that the game was not appealing to Madison Avenue and appealing to middle America, and which is a euphemism, of course, for white people, that the game itself was moving toward a type of style that white people didn't want to watch. Bird's move towards the NBA prompts articles and editorials that call him basketball's great white hope. One piece reads, in an era when professional basketball is dominated by black athletes and dwindling attendance, the pro game is anxiously awaiting the bird. Magic Johnson has plenty hype of his own coming into the league. He also seems to have an ability to win over basketball's entire fan base, 
He's approachable, charismatic. So you can imagine what it was like to have the most legendary franchise in the league get a white star in a Larry Bird, and then to have the most glitzy, polished, TV-friendly team, the Lakers, have another super polished star in Magic, and to also revive the rivalry of the two greatest franchises in the league. It's a perfect storm. Bird and Magic become obsessed with each other as rivals, never talking, but checking each other's stats daily. Larry felt very strongly that the only person in the way of him winning a championship was Irvin, and Irvin felt the same way. Thankfully for the world, the two would go on to face each other in three NBA championships, and the rivalry takes on new proportions. Howard Bryant. Bird got Rookie of the Year and the MVP before Magic, but Magic got two titles before, he got one title before Bird, and then got a second title before Larry got his second. You know, they're constantly at each other. LeBron stands by himself. In a lot of ways, Kobe stood by himself. And Bird and Magic is the Russell Chamberlain. It's the Manning-Brady thing where you need those two rivals to push each other. Can you do that and still admire each other? And I think their ability to do that really, really changed basketball history. All the times that one took from the other, they ended up admiring each other. And they are now, you know, in a lot of ways, they are friends. Thanks for listening to Sports History This Week. For moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Other notable sports stories that happened this week? 1992. New York Yankees owner George Steinbrenner attends his first Yankee game in years after being banned from baseball in 1990. He pays $7 for a seat. 1999. A Swiss psychiatrist and British pilot become the first balloonist to circle the world nonstop over a 19-day odyssey. If you want to get in touch, feel free to email us at sportspod at history.com or leave a voicemail at 212-351-0410. We'd love to hear from our fans and non-fans too. Special thanks to our guests, Jackie McMullen, co-author of When the Game Was Ours, along with Larry Bird and Madge Johnson, Howard Bryant, senior writer at ESPN, Doug Merlino, author of The Crossover, A Brief History of Basketball and Race, and Len DeLuca, former executive at CBS Sports and ESPN. This episode was produced by Cooper McKim, story edited by me, Kaylin Jones, and sound designed by Bill Moss. Sports History This Week is also produced by David Ingber. Our associate producers are Emma Fredericks and Hazel May. Our senior producer is Ben Dixton. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn, and our executive producer is Jesse Katz. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Sports History This Week wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.